much. I'm not going to tell you anything more about the surgery. It's a bit gruesome. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to be jumping around too much today. I shall keep the sermon uh, brief. And the church said, Amen. Amen. I can't believe time flies, doesn't it? You know, people say time flies. It's the second year. I just finished our full second year of teaching at Birmingham University since we moved down. I mean, that's that's amazing. And, and what's even more amazing for those of you who know my uh, son, who was being a menace at the back a little earlier on, but my son turned three last weekend, which is, you know, I, I still on my phone have the, 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 the video. It's the one that, you know, you delete all your things when you downloaded them. I still have the video of when he was born. I don't have a video for Asia. My phone was a bit naff at the time. It didn't really uh, capture that. But I have this, the, this image. I have a pretty, a, too much of a graphic image, to be honest. But anyway, I, I have an image of Levi being delivered and his first cry. And, you know, and it's, it's, a part of me still thinks of my son as this little bubba. But, you know, he's, he's not anymore. He's three and he likes to tell me it all the time. Anyway. So we're going to talk today about... Uh, bear with me here for a second. We're going to talk about demons. We're going to talk about the devil. Who's ever seen the film uh, The Sixth Sense? Uh, okay, enough people for me. Because I'm, not, I'm not going to ruin the ending of the film if you've... Oh, I, I, I kind of am, I think, to be honest. I remember when that film came out. I was living in, in uh, Paris. I'd just become a Christian a couple of years before that. Went to uh, France to live for a year. We went to see the film. I think it was in English, actually, with subtitles. Anyway, we came out with a group of the French Christians... And this brother, one of my flatmates, said to me, you know, he said, I can't, beli- you know, I can't believe it. Bruce Willis, he was, he was dead all the way along. <laughs> and this sister that we were with, she said, who? What? Who? Who was dead? No. We were like, what do you mean, who was dead? She said, what? I, I don't get it. She completely missed the whole, but we were like, what did you think the film was about? Anyway, I see dead people. All right, anyway. We live in an age, the truth is, we live in an age which is very sceptical of things that you can't see, touch, and prove. You know, but the Bible tells us we, we actually live in an age uh, with a, a spiritual, a cosmic war going on all around us, which is actually quite startling. We'll look at some verses about that in a, in a, in a little bit. You know, you may be sitting here today, and, and this is a topic for another sermon, I don't have time to go into this too much today, and, 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 and you sit there and you think, well... I don't believe in the spiritual world. You know, you start talking about angels and demons and heaven and hell and those kind of things. And as I said, that's a topic for another sermon. But, but let me just throw one thought at you. Some of the world's most renowned scholars find it incredibly hard to explain how we have something like a you know, guilty conscience, a, a value system. Right? You know, they're, they're brilliant scientists. They can explain evolution in incredible terms with incredible detail. And they come up with some incredibly stupid, if you don't mind me saying, ways of explaining how we actually get a value system and a conscience. The Bible has a very clear and simple answer. We are spiritual beings. Right? We can talk about that a little bit more another time. We're going to talk today, I have a clicker, let's see if it works, about our hidden enemy. Let me ask you another question. Who recently has done a Bible study about Satan and the devil? Chris, wow. So, not quite. Okay. Should I ask why or should I be... No, no, I'm just kidding. Going over to the dark side. I'm just kidding. One of the thoughts I want to leave you with, if you remember nothing else, and as I said, I want to keep the sermon quite brief today, but it's simply this. I don't think Satan wants us to think about him. I don't think Satan wants us to think... I, I think there's actually a reason that we don't do Bible studies on things like Satan, the devil demons 
very much at all. I think I had a conversation with Chris that really got me thinking about this a few weeks ago. I think Satan likes it that we don't think about the spiritual world very much, particularly the demonic, satanic world very often at all. And I'm not talking about us going out and becoming Satan worshippers. That's not the point of the sermon. You can go somewhere else for a sermon like that. But the point is, we, I think, do need to think about and know our enemy. I've got three very quick points. I printed out the the verses because, as I said, I want to keep things a little briefer today than I might usually do. So the verses are on the sheet. Uh, We'll go through them. First point, Satan lies. Satan is the king and the master of deceit. Three things then. Satan is lord, number one, of the easy route. Matthew 4, verse 3. A passage, and and you can go back and read the background to these if you're not familiar with the passages, maybe another time. But a passage, Jesus goes into the desert and he's being tested by the devil. And then Matthew 4 verse 3 says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You know, the devil tempts Jesus. He says, Why do you need to suffer to do God's will? There must be an easier way. I think he does that a lot. Think about the summer for us guys. How many times do you hear that kind of the voice, very subtly going off in your mind, you know, why deny yourself taking that second look? Why purity? Why why deny yourself? You don't have to suffer. These are God-given natural urges and impulses. Why deny yourself? Money. Don't deny yourself to sacrifice to help poor or needier people. Suffering. Take the more comfortable, easy route. You know, there are whole churches formed. If you read the book of 2 Timothy, particularly chapters 3 and 4, you know, this is one of the things Paul said about the church. These kind of lies, if you like, will come in and permeate the church. The easy route Christianity. Why suffer for your faith? And there are churches that will preach that kind of gospel. I'm not just talking about the kind of the prosperity gospel where you kind of give money and you expect to get a lot of money back. But that kind of mentality. A softer version of Christianity. Satan is the lord of the easy route. Satan also blinds us to our true spiritual status. Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler... Of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Think about that for a second. The Bible teaches that we're all part of a kingdom. Everyone. Everyone in the world is part of a kingdom. Now, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, or there's the kingdom of the ruler of the air. If we're a Christian, a true disciple, we're part of the kingdom of God. If not, We're part of the ruler, the kingdom of the ruler of the air. And the Bible says the kingdom of the ruler of the air, well, the ruler of the air is Satan. That's quite blunt. You might be sitting here today and you kind of go, that's actually quite offensive. That's that's quite offensive. You know, before I was a a Christian, I was thinking about this a lot this morning when I went out to pray. I don't know quite what my, I was trying to think back and think, what what was my guiding principle? Like, I, I didn't feel like I was, before I became a Christian, I didn't feel like I was part of the, of Satan's kingdom. That sounds quite sort of, you know, like, that's like supporting Man City or something terrible like that. I mean, uh, whoa, some shivers down my spine, right? But I, I wasn't conscious of that. So I was trying to think back this morning. What, 
what was my guide? What, what did I think about when I was trying to make decisions in life? And I, you know, my, I, I, I appreciate my parents. I think they gave me some reasonable values and morals to life. But if I'm honest, and what I was thinking about this morning is most of the time, my decisions came down to what feels like my guiding principle. What feels good for me? It wasn't always kind of outright sort of you know sexual sin or drunkenness or something like that. But but generally speaking, out of you know two options, what feels good for me? Now, sometimes what feels good for you might be the right thing, but actually, I think probably more often than not, on balance, what feels good for us is not always in line with God's will. And I think Satan uses that, right? He tries to blind us to our true spiritual status. I think he distracts us too. Remember this film? More recent film? Yeah, you remember the king, uh, what's his name, Theoden? And the other guy, what a fantastic worm tongue. Worm tongue. And you remember the scene, right? Theoden has been put under this spell by Saruman and by this guy, a worm tongue, who is this, uh, I don't know, what are you, some kind of servant, but witch or something like that, a male witch, I don't know. But basically, he's been, you know, he's, been, he's been blinded. He's been sitting there while his son went into battle and his son came back basically dead. He, he's been blinded to how the world around him was changing. Satan uses that right here. I'm going to go there, I'm going to... I think Satan uses stuff like Facebook too. I know, I'm sorry, you know. I I think Satan uses stuff like Facebook and Netflix and YouTube. All this stuff that we can kind of, that bombards us, right? How many of us, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of us, the last thing we do before we go to bed at night is is check out or update our Facebook status? I won't ask you to raise your hands. Uh, Guilty. Or or that last email, Scott. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Well, the first thing we do in the morning, that, that, before we read our Bible, before we pray, that, let's just check the latest email, see if there's anything that's important that's come through. I'm not saying that email is satanic and demonic, don't, don't, don't hear me wrong, but, but there's a way of life, right, that is just bombarded, where you, you don't have a clear kind of view of, here's the direction God wants me to go in. You just, you're constantly responding to the latest thing. Oh, someone's, oh, let me check out that video. And, and, and do you know what? Half an hour goes past and you've kind of watched five videos on someone's Facebook thread and, you know, 17 videos on YouTube and, oh, it's time to go to bed. And actually, I'm late for bed. So I'm tired. My quiet time's going to suffer next morning. And, but there's this... Satan uses that stuff. And Satan always opposes God's will. Matthew 16, verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the, uh, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. For the, this is Jesus' best friend. And for the context here, Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, the Messiah is going to go and have to suffer and die. Now Peter, just a few verses before that, he got it. He was the one who replied, you're the Messiah. We know you are. You're the Christ. Then Jesus said, okay, now let me explain. The Christ is going to have to suffer. And Peter says, whoa. Hold on a second. That's, that's not what the Messiah is meant to do. And Jesus, to his best friend on earth, says to him, Get behind me, Satan. How would you feel if your best friend in the church turned around and said to you, Get behind me, Satan? You'd probably give him a smack around the head. I mean, you know, this is pretty intense. But Jesus, you know, studying through these verses over the last week, Jesus is, he's really serious. Like, he really saw Satan trying to oppose God's will.
I think we've got to think about things a little bit more black and white. I'm not talking about being dogmatic, and again, don't hear me wrong. But I think sometimes we live in a kind of grey zone. Where, you know, the way I think Jesus saw things, and again, hear this right, I'm not talking about being just radical for being radical sake, but I think Jesus saw things very much black and white. Either he was doing God's will, or he was going to succumb to Satan's temptations. I think most of the time, the way I read the Gospels, Jesus saw things in very kind of black and white terms. I think, for myself, I live a lot of the time in a kind of grey area. There are some things I think, you know, this is doing God's will. I mean, you share my faith, have my quiet time, spending time with the brothers or whatever it is. And there's some things that are kind of outright sin. And then there's this kind of gray area in the middle. And, 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 and for sure there are. There are things that are meant to be enjoyable about life, right? That they're neither kind of satanic or, or just, you know, forwarding and advancing God's kingdom. It's not wrong to watch a film. I love movies. We watched Terminator 5 the other day, Chris and I and a few of the guys. That's a good film, actually, by the way. You know, don't believe the ratings. But, but I think a lot of the time... We live in this kind of grey area where nothing is very clear to us. This is advancing God's kingdom and we don't see Satan's challenges the way Jesus did. Point number one, Satan lies. Point number two, I don't know if you can see that, the great deceiver. Point number two, Jesus defies. Satan lies, Jesus defies. John 16 verse 33, Jesus has overcome. John 16 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world... You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, the context, Jesus is getting close to the end of his life. He's getting close to death. He knows the hardship is coming. And this, 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 this word trouble or hardship is, is a, it's the same word as affliction or distress. In this life, you will have affliction. You will face distress. We can relate to that. Jesus is comforting us, though. He says, take heart. The, 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 the verb there is, 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 is have courage. Have courage. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the kingdom of the ruler of the air. This word overcome is conquered or, or, or overpowered. I have overcome. Revelation 12, verse 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation, and the power, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You know, Revelation 12 from verse 1 begins with this scene and and there's this woman who's pictured as Israel who's giving birth to the Messiah. And Satan loses out once. Satan's there at the birth of the Messiah but he loses out. Jesus is kind of whisked away. And Satan loses number one. Then he wages war against Michael. And the angels in heaven and Satan loses a second time. But it says something interesting about the Christians. The Christians overcame him by the word of their testimony, but by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus is the power. Jesus has overcome. The Bible says something else as well. Jesus overcome once, he'll also overcome again. He will bring the final destruction. A really odd verse in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8 uh, reads on the page I've given you. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth 
and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be with, in accordance with how Satan works. Scholars have puzzled for a long time about, you know, who is this lawless one that Paul is talking about here? That's another sermon for another day. But, but, but the, at the very least, this, this lawless one is a messenger of Satan. Right? And what it says about how Jesus will overcome him is very powerful. With the breath of his mouth. Now elsewhere, that, that's, that's, the, that's the word of God, right? That's the Bible in a sense. But, but, but here, it's... Jesus will overcome Satan the second time when he decides with a puff. Satan's power is temporal. It's finite. He is, for now, the, king, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. But when Jesus says, enough, and he's gone. Revelation 19, uh, 11 to 20. I haven't put it on the sheet. You can have a look at that some other time. It talks all about that. Satan being thrown into the fiery lake. The end. Judgment. When God says the time is right. How do we reconcile those two things? I, I think that's very hard. Because therein lies the mystery of the Christian faith. Victory is won. But we're still at war. Victory is won. Like, like, like winning the World Cup. Like all the guys here could relate. If, if England won... You know, we might actually have it, host it in Britain. Or for Simon, like if England won the Rugby World Cup, right? So, so, but if, if England won the World Cup, we'd be celebrating for weeks afterwards. That's kind of the joy we're meant to have as Christians. At the same time, we're still at war. I, I think about the, since Scott mentioned it, the, the Second World War is a really good example of this. Because there was a point where the actual, the war was over, the battle, if you like, the, the war was won. Right? The Nazis were defeated. But actually, as they were retreating across Europe, some of the worst atrocities in the war were committed. I'll give you an example. There's a town that's about 200 miles south of Paris called Mai. As the Nazis... Now, no, you've got to picture this. On the day that the French people in the middle of Paris were celebrating, they were, they were going down the Champs-Élysées, taking down, tearing down the Nazi flags, singing the Marseillaise. Right, walking down, celebrating. The war was over. The Nazis were fleeing. 200 miles away, south of Paris, as those Nazis were fleeing. For what reason? Satan. They gathered the, 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 the entire inhabitants of this town of Mai together. The oldest person in the town was 89 years old. The youngest was three months. A three-month-old baby. And they massacred them. They butchered the entire town. What did they gain? Nothing. This is what we live with. We live with the joy of victory, knowing that victory is certain if we remain in Christ. The war is won. But we're still at war. And, 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 and heaven forbid we take our foot off the gas. Heaven forbid... We take our eyes off of our enemy. What's our response meant to be then? I think we must rise. Satan lies, Jesus defies, and we must rise. You know, this is the battle for Middle Earth. I'm sorry, I couldn't help that. <laughs> it's a good movie. Anyway, all right. Ephesians 6, verse 10. 
Paul writes, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, be strong in his mighty power. The, 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 the word there for mighty power is a power that overcomes opposition or resistance. That's the power. Jesus' power is enough to overcome opposition and resistance. Ours isn't. You know, woe betide us if we try and stand against Satan on our own strength. You ever done that? You ever gone into a really testing situation without having had a really good, you know, quiet time? And one of those situations, sometimes, you know, you get caught off guard. You don't know it's coming. Sometimes we do. You know, I, I just be completely honest with you. My Saturdays are quite a testing situation on a quite a regular basis. I have this choice between I really want to have a lie-in. And I know, and my kids aren't that bad really, but, you know, I know that if I stay in bed a little too long, I won't get to have a quiet time before they get up. And, and, and usually, at the, the great thing about church on Friday, if you come, is your kids tend, my kids tend to sleep in a little bit longer on a Saturday morning, right? Which is great, that's a benefit. So I have this kind of choice, and, you know, and it's a wrestling match. Because I know, my sins, right, I, I, I get angry, I get impatient. Actually, quite quickly. You wouldn't believe it, I know. I, I can see the incredulity on your faces. It's quite reassuring. No, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, get, I, I, get, I, I get very impatient with my children I get very snappy with them actually my heart and I don't usually kind of vent it in you know an outright kind of shouting match or something like that but I, but I certainly fume with certain things my kids do stop fighting why, why are you throwing rice krispies at him why has he got rice krispies on his face why you put your face in him you put his stop I get impatient there are situations we know that I, I, can, I can act preemptively in those situations. There are some we don't know. Either way, if we try and rely on our own strength, heaven help us. He says, clothe yourself. It's, it's in the imperative, as in, do it urgently. Do it now. Clothe yourself. So that you can stand. Oh, stop punching the mic. Which is a way of saying, so you can remain firm against Satan's schemes. Satan's schemes. Satan is crafty. Right? Satan is crafty. It's much easier. I don't know if you've ever faced anything like this, but if someone walks up to you in the street and they're holding a fist up to you, you kind of know what to do. Now, some of us might want to throw a punch back. You can certainly raise your guard. You know, you, you, you can act accordingly. Someone does something, and I can't think of a clever example off the top of my head, but someone does something that's much more silent behind the scenes where you don't see them coming. That's much tougher. Satan schemes. He says, for we do not struggle. We do not, we don't wrestle with physical people. Maybe a lot of the time we do. Maybe I'm wrestling with my kids too much. We don't wrestle with physical people. Our battle is with the spiritual forces. He says here, the spiritual forces of wickedness in this dark and evil world. That's shocking. Again and again in Ephesians, Paul has used this, this phrase, the, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Do you think about that? Do I? That we're at war with authorities and rulers and, authority, uh, and, 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 and demons, if you like, in the spiritual world. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Peter writes, Be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I've never seen a lion. I have actually in Chester Zoo. Yeah, I have actually. I saw a, a male lion roaring one time. And, and even behind a, a 30-foot caged fence. It's pretty terrifying. Right? But I, I, I can't imagine, I've never had the privilege of doing this, going through the jungle or, or out in the um, Maasai, was it the Maasai or something like that, where you might see or you might not see. You might be going one of the jeeps through. You might have done this, I don't know. Safari, yeah. Right? And, and there's a lion and, and the tour guide will know they're there. Look, there's one. And you'll be like, where? I've actually got a picture I'll show you in a minute or two. The, the, the message version of that verse says, the devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. But the Bible gives us a challenge. This is why we must rise. Victories come by turning people from Satan to God. Acts 26, Jesus talking to uh, Paul. Jesus says to Paul, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You know, and again and again, the Bible talks about people being held captive. In Satan's kingdom, held captive by their fear of death, Hebrews. Our goal, our role, the purpose God has given us is to help people. How? Well, that's Revelation 12 verse 11 again. It's through the Bible. By studying the Bible with people. By teaching them the scriptures, by opening their eyes, right? What are we doing when we study the Bible? I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Particularly if we haven't studied the Bible with someone for a long time. We lose sight of... This is not just us kind of... You know, sitting there sort of, oh, let me share a scripture with you. The Bible is the word of God. But it's living and active. It's not that. We're helping people. We're helping set people free from Satan's kingdom. That's deep. That's the most... I remember becoming a Christian. And, 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 and the thing that I really... A lot of things didn't make sense to me as a young Christian. Like loving people and being kind. I didn't really get that. I'm not saying I do now. But I, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But I remember thanking God for giving me a purpose. I remember thinking, man, I was wasting my life away. I was longing for something to live for. And, and, and I remember becoming a Christian, and then the first person I helped become a Christian, and maybe you experienced something like this. First person I helped become a Christian afterwards, and something clicked. I thought, this is it. This is what I want to spend my life doing. That, there's nothing better. There's nothing more valuable that we can do with our lives than helping someone become a Christian or helping people stay faithful as Christians. Both are equally important, but both come down to studying the Bible with each other. That's not going to come by by clever chats and watching Terminator together. That's going to come by sharing the Bible. Satan is the liar. He's the deceiver. I put down Satan's top five lies then. Ones that I hear, maybe you can relate to them. A little bit more comfort never hurt anyone. Who's ever heard something like that kind of going off in their mind? A little bit of comfort never hurt anyone. Number two, don't risk again. Remember all the times in the past it didn't work. Who's heard that one before? I can relate to that one a lot. What, 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 why try again? Sit comfortably for now. You know, just ride it out. As long as you're a faithful disciple, you'll make it to the end. That's okay. You know, there was a warning in Numbers 13 and Numbers 14 for the people who didn't want to go in and take the promised land. They tried to kind of, kind of sit it out comfortably. In a sense, they were afraid to go and do the things God had asked them to do. It does take faith. Satan likes kind of keeping us sort of held captive by our fears and, and memories of the past and things. Your life is really tough. Who can relate to this one? 
Forget about trying to help anyone else for now. Uh, maybe those of us with younger kids can relate to that. Maybe those with older kids. Maybe that's different. You know, maybe your job's really challenging. You're traveling long distance for work. Whatever it is, Satan's number one lie, perhaps. Life is really, you know, this three-month period of your life is just—it's not. A, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're thinking about studying the Bible right now, and you hear that voice kind of going off in your mind. I've just—I've got this exam. I've got this thing. I've got to move house. I, this stuff. I've, now is not a good time. Give me a few more months. Remember, indecision is a decision. Number four, what God really wants for you, or wants, is for you to live a quiet life at peace with everyone. Remember that scripture. Live a quiet life at peace with everyone. And there's a sense in which that is true. God doesn't want us. Jesus didn't ever call us to go around being just, just troublemakers for the sake of oh, some crazy things about, you know... I won't even tell you who, but you know, disciples who, as students, used to hang out on top of the bus shelter. They kind of throw things down at people who were underneath the bus. You know, just, just stupid games that I think mean, Christians should be playing. I won't even tell you why they were doing that. But we weren't, we weren't called to be troublemakers, is my point. That's very true. But Jesus was also very clear. If you try to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. You remember that verse from Paul. Your friend will look at you funny if you ask him or her to study the Bible with you. Maybe, maybe actually you're kind of, you know, you, you want to take steps forward, but then you're kind of caught in this indecision about, you know. I sat there for months kind of going through this whole cycle of, I got this to invite someone to, or that to invite someone to, and people hadn't come to things, and I, what do I do, what do I do? And I was praying about it, and I just kind of thought, you know what, I'm just going to send a text to a few friends and say to them, just outright, I thought, I, you know, this might totally backfire on me, I'm going to say a prayer about it. And I'm going to send a few texts to a few friends and say, would you, just really clearly, no kind of veiled messages, would you like to talk about it? I sent them a text and I said, would you like to do a Bible study with me? You know, and, and one of my friends, a neighbor from a few doors down, who had dropped a hint about something spiritual in a conversation, I thought I'd pick up on it. He, he texted me back, he said, I'm not sure about doing a Bible study, but I'm happy to get together to talk. So we got together, we started talking. I mean, it was actually quite mind-blowing what he shared with me. I'll, I'll t- tell you that another time. But we, so I thought, so I, so I shared some verses with him. He had had a faith a long time ago, lost it. He was staring at the Bible. He was kind of like, I remember these verses. This is, he had all these questions about other things. I said, I don't have the answers for them. I don't. But, but, but let me just share some verses with you. And as we sat there, and, and he said, you know, we'll do that again. So me and Rory got together this week for a second Bible study with him. The, the Bible changes people, Right? Don't be afraid to ask people, would you study the Bible with me? Possibly the best question you could ever ask someone, aside from you know, marriage or something like that. Right? Would you study the Bible with me? Even more important, actually, don't get offended, my wife, but then will you marry me? I, I know I said top five, but it occurred to me that there's, I think, a sixth one as well that I've kind of talked about before. Which is, I think, I think Satan likes to tell us that... that that five or, you know, or 20 minutes at the end of the night or something like that, 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 that's too little time for God to use to his glory. Right? You know, how many of us, we finish work late or we get the kids, we've got little kids, or, you know, and, 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 it's that, and we're exhausted and there's that five or 20 minutes at the end of the night and you kind of think, it will be quite nice to me. You know, I, go, I go to Netflix. Like half an hour before bed, I might watch a Netflix film or something like that with Raquel. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that that's, that that's the point. But I think one of the things that Satan does is he tries to convince us that that's too little time for God to use. But it's not. You could send an encouraging text to someone. Right? 
What, how, do, you, you could still watch a movie, but you could do something. You could go, you could go, one of the things I've started doing recently is going downstairs outside at you know, 10 minutes and going to pray specifically about people in my neighborhood and trying to reach out to. Five minutes is still time God can use. It's given up on me. I had a great picture to show you now. Oh, is it power's gone? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. It was a great picture anyway. Three quick points then. Satan lies. Jesus defies. We must rise. Amen.